Welcome to The Wondering Mind, a mental health podcast. I'm your host, Emily Elizabeth. My goal with this show is to help educate, encourage, and support those that are struggling with their mental health by sharing my own stories, as well as the stories of others, to show you that you are not alone and you can do anything if you work hard and put your wondering mind to it. So let's get started. In today's episode, I chat with Alex, who is the founder of ADH Movement. Today, Alex goes into detail about what empathy is, what it means to be an empath, as well as details regarding her own mental health journey. So if you'd like to learn more about Alex, then keep on listening. Hey there. Thank you so much for tuning into The Wondering Mind, a mental health podcast. Just a quick disclaimer before we get started. This show is in no way meant to treat or diagnose any type of mental illness. I am not a mental health professional, simply just someone who has struggled and felt called to share what I've learned and am learning along my mental health journey. Thank you so much for your support. Now let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Wondering Mind podcast. I'm your host, Emily Elizabeth. Today, I'm super freaking excited because I have Alex with ABH Movement here today. She is a rising star on TikTok. She's a fitness guru, and she's kind of like a maven in the sense when it comes to empathy and empaths. So I've brought her on today. She agreed to join me, and we're going to talk all about empathy, empaths, and her mental health journey. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. I'm so, I'm so pumped about this. This is so exciting and I, I love opportunities to connect. So it's, it's a joy and honor to be on your, on your podcast. Woo! Yes. So, all right, let's kind of give a little backstory. I found you on TikTok. I honestly don't even know how, maybe it was a for you page or someone shared your video. Who knows how things are found these days. There's so many different ways, but I came across a specific video and it was something that I deeply related to and I saved it to my phone and every time I'm feeling down like sometimes I'll watch it because it just reminds me that I'm not crazy (laughs) that I'm not the only one (laughs) so yeah in your account is phenomenal it's all about empathy and mental health and fitness and vulnerability and just being your authentic self so I guess my first question to you is what motivated you to start your platforms and speak on these topics? Oh my God, loaded question up front. I love that though. Thank you so much for asking. I've always been really interested in psychology. My back, I'm a registered kinesiologist. So that's what I went to school for, but my specialty is in exercise psychology. And I did a double major in psych and kin. And I could never decide which way I wanted to go. And I just remember being probably 20, I'm 28 now, it's eight years ago or so, somewhere around a decade ago. I was like, I want to at some point in my life merge these two things. I don't see why mental health and, and exercise should should be the separate entity. I didn't know what that was going to look like. I had no idea. And then enter the pandemic and I started my own business a year and a half ago. 
And my, my business started as kind of just mindful movement. I've always been a really compassionate coach. And it's just kind of who I am as a person. I was raised an empath by my parents, not intentionally. It's just the trauma response, but that's okay. And through building my business, I was like, well, this is mine. I, I can just make this who I want to be. And I've always believed in, in showing up authentically just as I am. I always just feel so uncomfortable when I try to put on a face or a facade or be someone I'm not. Ever since I realized I was doing that in my day-to-day, -day, I was like, oh, I chameleoned into this person for them to yeah. like me. And then at my job, I chameleoned into this person. So I would be liked and again, like appreciated and acknowledged and with my own business, I was like, okay, this is really a chance to start fresh. And with my platforms, this is a chance to just be who I am and fuck it. Can I swear on here? Like, yes. <laughs> it's encouraged. I love that. So like, fuck it. Like, let's just be where I'm at. And so that one TikTok that popped off hilariously was this weird tipping point of I was already kind of doing it. Like, I was definitely definitely doing it in my fitness classes. I do virtual fitness, but I, I had yet to really present myself authentically on social media. I was kind of posting some information about empathy, but I hadn't put anything raw out. And I was going through a really tumultuous kind of period in, in my relationship with my fiance, a lot of stuff had gone down. And I kept hearing this story with everyone in my life that was, you're the crazy person. Like you are wrong. You are weird. I'm, I'm a person where like, if I'm sat at dinner and we're at a restaurant, I'm going to cry regardless of where we were at. Like I don't contain my feelings very well. And it's not disrespectful. It's just, I'm sad. I might shed some tears. It's not about you. It's about me. And after this one dinner, my ex-fiance and one of my friends was like, yeah, you can't do that. You just don't know how being like a normal person works. You don't know how to just, right? That cringy face. Of Ouch. Like, you yeah. are wrong. Like that was the narrative was like, you are wrong. You are bad. You need to learn how to do this better. And I was just like, I don't know why. I don't think I'm wrong. I don't think I'm messed up. I think there are other people like this. I'm going to find them. And so put out that TikTok the next day that was like, all right, I want to find other people like me. So put a finger down if you are all these things. If you're a true empath and a perfectionist and a people pleaser and you love helping other people, but you hate asking for help yourself and you're an introvert, but with extroverted energy. I was like, let's just list all the characteristics I can think of off the top of my head. Go. And it worked. <laughs> So ever since then, I got that immediate positive reinforcement that like, wow, there are so many people like us. So there's no turning back at that point. It, I, I was all in. So I'm like, I found my people. Let's do this. Like, wow, that lit a fire under my ass for sure. Yeah, it's remarkable what social media can do. Like if we use it in a healthy way, how we can build such a strong community with it and how much we can learn and grow from the, these platforms and so yeah I think that's absolutely incredible and yeah it, it helped me and I just it's just so crazy that you were able to list all those very specific things and I was just like yes yes oh my god yes 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 ah like what is happening <laughs> like, so yeah I think that's incredible and I, I commend you because it takes a lot of courage to get online especially when you're putting yourself out there you're choosing to be vulnerable and the people online you don't know them they're strangers and so you don't know how they're going to react or you know so you, it's like you kind of have that fear of you know rejection and and 
harsh comments and all that that comes with it but it sounds like it just resonated with so many people and it wasn't even that wasn't even a thing that was so I want to dive more into like what an empath is because I feel as though it's a commonly used term we see a lot of things on social media about it but I don't think people really fully understand what it is so can you kind of explain what it is like what an empath is for sure. And I, I agree with you that I think there are a lot of different definitions. And to be honest, like, this is just my, my opinion and my perspective of, of what is, but I'm kind of, I'm learning as well. And from my perspective and my experience, empathy is a trait people have. So I don't identify as like, I am an empath. Like that's something I say a lot, but it's like, I am actually empathetic. It's, it's a trait that I have. And I think there's this language around being an empath being this psychic thing like you're gonna read other people and you're like I know what you're thinking without you knowing like that's not it it's it's, you are raised in an environment whatever that environment looks like where you had to become basically really really good at predicting other people's feelings emotions and responding to them quickly I said that really quickly (laughs) I recognize that but say for instance I grew up with you and whatever my living situation made it uncomfortable for me to just like be myself and I learned that when I was sad or upset or distressed people reacted a certain way Hmm. and I didn't want that I wanted people to be happy like I was raised in an environment where other people's feelings were labeled as more important than my own and so what that led to was this ability to really really quickly be able to pick up on facial expressions and moods and changes in behavior and now as an adult I can go, I, I understand how that person is feeling. I might not have been in that situation, but I can, I can see their emotions. I can see that it was hard for them. I can see that they're struggling to articulate it. I can see that they feel lonely and isolated and sad. And so it's not, empathy is not an understanding of someone's innermost thoughts or directly what it's like to be in someone's shoes. So sympathizing it's, uh, an under it's under an understanding of emotions and being able to even if you haven't experienced someone else's story none of us have to go wow I can't imagine how that must have felt that must be so hard and this taking you kind of take on those feelings because you go wow I can imagine what that's like so I can feel it for myself and it opens up this pathway of really powerful communication that's without the defensiveness and the walls built up and the blaming and the shaming really empathetic people are able to hold this powerful space of going I see you and I can feel some aspect of what you're feeling enough so that I want you to know that you're not alone and I hear you and your feelings are valid like how powerful is that like that's what I kind of define an empath as someone who's really in touch with their own feelings and other people's but other people's maybe more so than their own (laughs) yeah and that makes total sense because I can relate to being an empath because I've over time like going through my mental health journey my self-awareness journey and everything like that self-discovery I've really honed in on my intuitions my gut feeling if you will my you know, ability to pick up on people's vibes, which is kind of what I feel like being an empath is. It's where someone doesn't necessarily have to say something, say that they're struggling or say that they're feeling frustrated or something like that. You can just pick up on it. Oh, totally. Yeah. hundred percent. I would absolutely agree with that. And then I also think it's so fascinating how 
you said too that it's like you can't imagine you can imagine being in that situation that you can kind of mentally put yourself in their shoes though you've never been there and then you kind of begin to feel the feelings of like sadness or frustration or happiness or whatever it may be and I this is kind of weird but I remember when I was a teenager I would go to movies I don't know movies heavily affect me I don't know if this is a thing (laughs) oh yeah but I would leave a movie and I would either be totally drained from the emotions that the characters were feeling or I would be very scared, which is like normal, I guess. But like I could feel the fear in like the actual characters. And I just remember leaving the theater and just feeling like almost as though like kind of like an out of body experience. Like I had been in the movie almost. Yes. Oh, totally. My, my mom used to make fun of me when I was like, a, not make fun of me in like a nice way. But every time we <laughs> see a movie, we'd leave the theater and I was the person in the movie like I was like I am that character I am embodying that and not in like a fangirl way like literally like a, I am Katniss Everdeen I am <laughs> isolation like that like, you know what I mean yes and that's it I'm like I don't know why I'm prepared to go fight for my life right now like man the inner strength like get it and it yeah it was and so I have a really hard time watching like historical dramas or really intense like Oh God, like even the Saw movies, like I'm, I'm someone who previously liked really cheesy horror movies because they were almost so bad. I was like, oh, I can, I can separate myself from this. But anything that's got like gore and pain and suffering, I was like, I can't watch it. I can't do it. I, I, nope. That, yeah. No, absolutely not. You take on all those feelings for sure. Totally. Yeah. Which brings me to a question of how does being an empath affect one's personal relationships because the ability to perceive these emotions and feelings without necessarily communicating can be draining I feel like so how for you personally has that affected your relationships friendships all the things what a great question holy shit that's amazing this is what I struggle with the most like you kind of hit the nail on the head as a result of being an empath something I talked about in that TikTok was this feeling of being like deeply misunderstood. And like, no matter how many people you're around, people are like, I get you, but they don't really, people feel like they're friends with me. And I'm like, you're friends with me, but you don't actually know me. You kind of think you're friends with me, but I'm not really friends with you. It sounds terrible, but it, other people get this image of who I am and they think they really know me as well. Cause I'm so open. And a lot of empaths are cause they hold space so beautifully, but what I have personally experienced is a struggle with really letting me be myself because I'm constantly playing this game of, I know how you're feeling and I want to care for you. So I'm going to take on your feelings and be on your side, but I've often neglected my own feelings. Boundary setting has been super tough in terms of here's what I'm okay with. Here's what I can take on. And here's what I can't take on. A lot of times I didn't even know what I was feeling because I'd feel the other person's emotions before I felt my own. So I'm the kind of person who's always been surrounded by like a lot of people in high school. Like I was never, I was a bit of an oddball, but I kind of got along with everyone. Like I wasn't bullied real, like in high school. I, I fit in with every community enough that everyone was like, yeah, we know Alex. She's awesome. And I'm like, none of you know me. I am alone forever. <laughs> like, <laughs> So it's that that's kind of a summary of my existence up until recently in the last year is 
people who think they're friends, me, everyone reaching out and me just being like, God, this is exhausting. This is draining. I don't really feel heard. I feel like I was like a therapist of my friend group. And, and with relationships, it was the same thing. I, I was a serial monogamer who someone would be like, I have feelings for you. And I was like, shit, now I'm in a two-year relationship. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, wait, all they did was say they like me. And I just got into a relationship with that person because I was like, oh, well, if you like me, then now I, I have to take care of you and like you back. I don't want to let you down. So dated people that I didn't really even Ooh, like. Oh, yes. Yeah. I can relate to that so hard. Oh, yeah. it's so bad. Totally. And so it's this like, weird guilt almost. Yeah. Oh, the guilt for like letting other people down or like saying anything that would hurt their feelings. Even something as simple as like, I can't go for coffee today. I'm busy. And you're there like, oh, okay. I'm like that. You know what? I'll make it work. Let's go for coffee. <laughs> like, oh yeah. And that's on something I've learned is like, that's on me. And I've really had to work on that the last year is I was building a lot of resentment towards people. I'm like, they just suck the life out of me. Like I'm starting to harbor these feelings. And ultimately I'm, I'm really learning now to who people, who the right quote unquote people are for me to currently spend time with, who doesn't drain my cup and who's going to listen to me when I set my boundaries. Because right now it's such an important thing to practice in my life. Uh, so that's how my relationships and friendships have looked. It's taken a turn in the last year. Things are look, like definitely taking a change of direction. But for the 27 of the last 28 years, <laughs> a lot of isolation, a lot of misunderstanding, and a lot of taking care of other people. <laughs> can relate to all of that. And there's a few things I want to touch on. And one of them being the setting boundaries aspect of things. Because holy shit, um, that is so hard to do because the people pleasing aspect comes into play almost immediately oh yeah <laughs> followed by the guilt and then anxiety and you're like kind of bullying yourself into doing things that you don't necessarily want to do and i did that for my entire life oh yeah and i'm 32 and i finally have gotten to a place i'm not even all the way there yet like i'm still navigating through but I'm finally getting to the place where kind of like you said almost just being a little bit more particular about who you give your energy to and then not feeling guilty for it but it's really hard to do because you want to you know be there for everyone but I've kind of realized over time that by doing that you're not being authentically yourself you're kind of just following people blindly around catering to their every whim when you're under, you know, when in reality, you're just neglecting yourself, then it starts to pile up. And so at this point, I've just realized that it's time to really take a deep dive into like the relationships in my life currently, like my friendships, and who I feel I can keep and who I feel like I should begin to let go. Yes. But that's yeah. like a whole thing in itself, because then you're like, the confrontation aspect do I have these conversations with these people let them know why or do I just kind of let things go <laughs> it's just there's so many things tied to being an empath it's honestly kind of mind-blowing oh wow a lot of what you just said is so relatable to me as well yeah. and you said there's so many things tied to being an empath but what I've experienced, and it sounds like it's the same for you is that struggle with you've spent your entire life putting other people first and now there's this flip of the switch, you can't unsee it. And you're like, oh, wow, 
I now have to literally do the reverse, which is a massive life change, put myself first. And then I even have to like shed some of the weight of the people in my life. I have to like let people go, which sounds, I think sounds so hard and the guilt that I feel with it. And I wonder if it's the same for you is the judgment of people who don't get it. So for anyone else who's an empath, they understand they're like, oh yeah, the letting people go part, that's hard. But for people who don't get it and you suddenly just like cut them out of their life, you're worried about the repercussions. You're worried about people being angry with you. We've spent our whole life again, being the good person, being the good friend. And now people are going to be like, you're shitty. That sucks. Why are you doing this to me? Why do you hate me? What did I do wrong? Or blaming you and going, you're bad in the defensiveness. That's my fear is the like, mm -hmm. as I let people go, having to deal, deal <laughs> with um, or take on and then let go of the feelings that they're going to project at me. Oh yeah. No boundary setting is really, really tough for me. The boundary setting that I'm currently working with and what I'm learning is uh, it started actually with my parents. So my parents were the first people I cut off, which is crazy. I know. Yeah, it sounds- That's, that's hard. Shit. But I learned that I, I learned the extent of how my empathy was affecting me because of my relationship with my mom and my dad. It was through therapy and my therapist introduced a term called parentification, which like for anyone who listens to this, Google that shit, parentification. It's basically the process of you being- becoming the parent when you weren't supposed to be. So yeah, yeah. And so my therapist brought this up because naturally when you start therapy, a lot of the baseline is tell me about your family, tell me about your parents, like do you have siblings, tell me about your relationships. My therapist right off the bat was like, so here's what's up, you're an only child, your parents, it's supposed to be two parents and you below them, this kind of like bottoms up triangle. And what happened was you raised your parents the, it was flipped. Here's what happens as a result of that. And that started to like pull on the little thread of everything I started to learn about myself. And then it started unraveling. And I recognized that I couldn't actually really start healing until I took some space from my parents and separated myself from that dynamic. And I wasn't living at home or anything, but we're really close. Like we're really tight knit little threesome family dynamic. And, um, it did not go well. It like was not, it was not comfortable. It's, it was, it started with just trying to not talk as much. It was, okay, mom, I can't talk to you every day. I I'm, I'm going through some stuff. And I tried to use my I statements and not make it about her. I was like, I'm going through some stuff. So I'm just going to be a little more distant, but it's not about you. I just, I'm working through some things, which she didn't get. So then she was like, well, why, 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 why? And I was like, okay, maybe I explain it to her. So then it was kind of like, well, I'm learning in therapy that uh, the dynamic we've had in our family has affected me in some ways. And I'm navigating how I feel about that, but I need to do what's called individualizing from you and dad. And again, it's like you use therapy terms with your parents and they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? So I was like, we're great. We have the best family. Blah, 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 blah. Fast forward. And like the further I pulled away to try and take care of myself, the more my mom was like trying to grab me back and trying to be like, and then I got emails from her. I was like, okay, maybe if we communicate via email. So like send her some thoughts, she'd respond right away being like, what the fuck are you doing to our family? You're tearing us apart. I was like, wow, I really can't deal with this. So I just, I, it's like the hardest email was this couple liner of, you know what? I think uh, I'm actually not going to continue talking to you 
for, for like further notice, I'll reach out to you when I'm ready. But like, please, I sent her a list of resources. I was like, please Google parentification. If you're interested in like having this relationship, here are some terms that I think might be helpful. And you don't need to think of them in terms of me, but maybe think of them in terms of yourself because everything's intergenerational. My mom's got the same upbringing that was passed on to me. So I was like, just Google this, see what you think. Here's an article, read this. Here's another one, give it a look over. I'll talk to you when I'm ready. We'll reach out, we'll play this game of chicken and see how things go. Um, and fast forward, that was three years ago that that happened. So uh, yeah, three, three years ago, fast forward to today. And like I had dinner with them last night. We talk about therapy. We talk about like psychological terms and my mom is learning to set boundaries at work. Like she's learning how to set boundaries with people in her life because she never set them. So she's like, you're not allowed to do that to me. I've always taken care of people. And now she's learning that she's like, oh, I get it. Okay. So she's like dealing with conflict at work and she's setting boundaries with her, like my dad and he's setting boundaries with her and they're growing as like a result of this. And I'm so grateful. I'm so, cause I'm, I'm really lucky. Like not a lot of parents would do this and I know does not go over my head. So every single day I'm like, wow, I'm so thankful that my parents heard me and were willing to change because then that they want to, it's not for me. They're now doing it for them. Whereas I think a lot of parents are like, you're my kid. You don't know what you're talking about. And they just don't want to change. And then you have to let your parents go. Like if, especially if you're raised by like a narcissist and your parents are like a drastic cause of what you're dealing with. How, how brutal is that? Like, again, I think of anyone who's going to listen to this, who's like, holy shit, that's me. It, it's awful. It's so painful, but so critical. Like, and if your parents care, they're going to show up. Like they, they will try their best or you can make that choice of, okay, I still want them in my life, but I know that they don't really know who I am and they don't really respect this part of me. So maybe it looks like just Christmas dinner, and then I don't see them for the rest of the year and that's okay, but it's, it's brutal. Oh, it's like not even ripping a bandaid off. It's like ripping out stitches. It's just like, you're it's going to be some gross repercussions here. It's going to be pain and suffering. Yeah. It takes a lot of courage and the willingness to put yourself first. And I think getting to that point takes so much work on yourself. Oh my God. Totally. And I feel like a lot of people aren't willing to do that. And that's why I think this conversation is so important because it kind of just makes me feel as though like we have one life to live. Like, why would you want to live your life miserable or catering to everybody around you when there's so many different ways and things to do that can change that? And I love that you made the decision to create some space. And I get their reaction because they're not self-aware. They don't, they weren't oh, like, they didn't understand the circumstance. That was just like total news to them. So the fact that they kind of lashed out, I mean, it makes sense. But the fact that they rebounded and they were like, hmm, this is a good opportunity to begin to invest in my daughter. And then after time, they were like, oh, <laughs> Well, looky there. Yeah. I could use some work myself. <laughs> totally. Hmm. Oh, Interesting. Yeah. Like that's such a relief and remarkable that your parents were willing to put in the work for themselves. They're willing to do some of the like 
I hate, it's not superficial. It's still really, really hard, but they don't like the labels of like anxiety and depression. They grew up in, in the era of mental health being like, you were strapped to a bed and yeah. given medication. You were a crazy person. Like therapy was not a normal thing. So I think my parents really struggled. They're also both European. So they just it literally is no, no. My, my, I said to my mom once, I did the same thing. I was like, now we're going to heal my mother and be like, you have anxiety. Let's talk about it. <laughs> come back to like the healing work and that inner growth journey. It's helped me recognize again, my conditioning patterns in myself that I'm like, why do I need to fix my mom? Like, why do I need them to understand themselves? And it comes back to like being an empath. And now you, you're almost on this other side. It's like, you've seen the other side of the mirror and you go, I now know what a healed, like a somewhat at least healed life feels like. And I want to share this. I want other people to feel how this feels. And then you go, I, I, if you recognize you have anxiety, then we can work on these things and you'll feel better and look at the life you'll lead. And your parents just stop at, I don't have anxiety. Fuck you. And (laughs) you're like, shit, I really thought this was going to go different. Like I thought they were going to (laughs) like, and I've had to learn that with my parents, I, I can no longer force feed them my therapy stew of being like, let's, let's teach you today, friends, about boundary setting. Like if they ask questions, I'm like, okay, awesome. We can have this conversation. But if they don't want to know or if they're going to put up their walls with it, it's not my responsibility. I, that's been so hard is learning what's my responsibility and what's not. And just because we mean well, just because we're well-intentioned by being like, oh, I want to help my parents with their journey their journey is still theirs. My journey is still mine and their growth is not our responsibility. Right. Yeah, it is hard. And again, I guess that just reverts again, back to being an empath and having empathy for people as a whole, because like you said, you see the other side. It's, it's almost like you've stepped into a new atmosphere and you can see things from a totally different perspective, a healthy perspective, a clear perspective, something that you've never been able to see before. And you're like, wow, this feels amazing. Why wouldn't anyone like, and everyone want to feel like this? (laughs) Yep. And then I, I guess the constant need or not constant, but the looming need and want to quote unquote fix people, which is also a trait or a symptom or whatever you want to call it of being an empath kicks in and then you're like okay well if I was able to do the work like I want to help my parents and the people closest to me but like you said it's kind of that disappointing um like coming to that disappointing conclusion of recognizing and owning the fact that it's not your responsibility And people aren't going to change if they don't want to change. It's up to them. I mean, just imagine how hard it was for us to change. It's a lot of fucking work. (laughs) Every day. Work every day. All day, never ends. (laughs) So just imagine trying to be like, hey, you want to start your own uh, well-being journey and like think about all the things from your past, the traumatic things, the sad things, all the things are like, fuck no. (laughs) Like. (laughs) That shit's hard to do. It's so hard to explain to someone that it's like, (laughs) I'm trying to think of an analogy that makes sense. It's like, imagine 
okay, you know what? We're just, we're just going to put like a nail through your hand, but it's not a big deal. I promise you that if you put this one nail in your hand, you're going to wake up tomorrow and your entire body is going to be like this dream body you've always imagined. People are like, that makes no sense. <laughs> and I get it. Like I totally do, but it's, it's hard when you are on the other side again, because it's like, you just know you, you can see everyone's trauma you meet a new person and you're like, man, your anxiety is really just reading through like your insecurity about your family and your appearance and your job are just like, wow, your trauma is showing it's <laughs> hard because you can't, yeah. you have the thoughts, but now the responsibility is on us to like tuck that away. Be like, that does not belong to me. I can only control how I react and my narrative about that. And why do I want to fix this person? Why do I want to teach them? The constant questioning is exhausting, right? Like, as you said, every day, it is a nonstop 24 seven job of monitoring your own thoughts and feelings and projections and ego and identity. And yep. Yeah. Yep. It's a lifelong commitment. It is for sure. And really just, there. yeah, Sorry. it's just sad that a lot of people don't, they don't want to do that. They would rather just take the easy way out and maintain their lives the way that they are, even though they deep down know that they're unfulfilled and it's heartbreaking, but it is again, just have to recognize it's not our responsibility. So yeah. Right. It's something I'm struggling with right now is what to do about that feeling because my lifelong passion like my goals my dreams and where I'm currently heading with like my business and my personal life is I just I launched a course starts this week I'm so excited called Beneath Armor which is for empaths who are ready to take those steps and start growing and healing and it's presenting them with an opportunity of like a bunch of different strategies it's the safe space to like I'm not I don't believe anyone can actually be taught anything I want to learn so I can hold a space and teach strategies and help you like go down that rabbit hole of self-awareness but I can't actually make you change or help you change even really it's up to you completely and something I'm struggling with is that like wow okay my life passion is to help people realize the full potential they have and help guide them into that rabbit hole of like self-growth and all of that but equally it's completely out of my control (laughs) It's like the one thing you can't control. And I've decided that's my life's work. So ridiculous. So I'm in this conundrum of like, what do you do when your goal is to help empaths, but empaths can't be helped. They have to want to help themselves. Oh, it's so, but it goes not just for empaths, people, people in general, no one can be, no one can be shown the way they can only show themselves the way through what they experience. And it's exhausting. It's a struggle daily. Yeah. But I think it's amazing that you're willing to put in the effort and not even knowing if it'll like succeed for them personally, but you're still willing to give them the resources, the tools, the knowledge, giving them the foundation. And then whether they want to build on that foundation or not is up to them. But I still think regardless of how long it takes, the fact that they have that information that you've given them or will be giving them, it'll still plant a seed. So it will eventually grow in some shape or form. So either way, they're going to benefit from it because even if they, whether or not they choose to act on certain things, 
they're at least going to be aware of certain things, whether they want to be or not, they're going to be aware. <laughs> That's so. true. I'm like, thank you for that. I think I needed that reminder because it's, it's hard. Like the, and then my imposter syndrome kicks in and I'm like, am I really making a difference? But it's out of my hands. If I am, I can only try my best and show up as myself. Right. But, yeah. I actually just did an episode on imposter syndrome. Oh, incredible. Oh, I'll have to listen to that. Yeah, that's a whole thing. And I think, do you think that empaths experience that more so than others? Or do you just think that that's a human being thing? That's a great question. I, I'm inclined to say it's a human being thing. I think it looks different though for different types of people. Like another thing I've posted about a fair bit is how I don't believe that like empaths are inherently good or narcissists or like bad. I think it's a spectrum and there's no good or bad. It's just our conditioning. Um, but I've noticed that like empathetic people tend to express imposter syndrome as like, oh God, they're going to realize I'm a fraud. Like they're going to realize that like, I am just, I'm a mess. I'm wrong. So my, I might have a PhD in this. I'm, I'm still a kindergartner. Don't they know this? Like that's how <laughs> kind of express this. Whereas people who generally err on the side of like having a few more narcissistic traits or tend to be more like hating self-absorbed because that's not it either like arrogant let's go with arrogant air on the side of like it's imposter syndrome but it presents itself as always leveling up so they're always looking ahead who's ahead of me who's above me who's the next person i need to beat and that in and of itself is a form of imposter syndrome that's kind of interesting it's not the person above me above me is going to realize i'm a fraud it's how do i catch the person above me and feeling like they're always not good enough which is exhausting in and of itself yeah like so I think, I think imposter syndrome is something we all experience, which is kind of empowering just saying that because it, it makes it easy once you know that everyone feels the same goddamn way. When you show up and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. And five other people are like, yo, same. You're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> like, isn't that the best feeling ever? I had a call with my accountant this week. Money is weird. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I want to, I want to like own that to anyone else listening to this again, who in the future, like runs their own business and doesn't know what taxes are and how to do them. You're not alone. I, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but saying that makes however many other people go, oh, thank God I'm not alone. And then you can seek answers. But when you're, when we're all just pretending we're like good and we're fine and we're doing it and we're like, yeah, no, I'm awesome. I'm a, yeah, I know what I'm, I totally, I know the answer, we're good, totally. That just hurts your soul because now you're like, shit, that was an opportunity to actually get answers, but I can't admit that I don't know. So now I feel even more lonely, even, even more stuck and even more lost. It's a spiral. I think that that's the whole reason I did the podcast. And that's the reason why so many people are starting to talk about mental health now, because they're sick of feeling alone. And they're sick of feeling like they have all the answers because society puts such a harsh pressure on us to be perfect, to have all the answers, to have it all together. And people are sick and tired of it. Like, no, we're human beings. None of us are perfect. We don't have all the answers. It's physically impossible. And so why don't we just start creating a culture around not knowing the answers and yeah. owning up to it and owning up to our vulnerabilities? And I'm so thankful that we're living in this generation, in this time where things are starting to just be normalized and come out and just, you know, have it be what it is. I think having conversations like this is so important because like you said so many times, it makes you feel less alone. Like you're not the only one. You are not the only one going through all of these things. 
Totally. And it, oh God, I love that. This is such a powerful conversation. This makes my heart so happy because I feel like when people still hear like they're not alone, it's, it's helpful and it feels like support, but equally it's like, you, you know where I'm going. With this. I you still feel alone. You yeah. still feel alone and you still are like, okay, there are other people like me, but what do I do? Like, what does this mean? Like, what is next? And there are people who are still suffering in different ways. I think of people who like, God, people of color who are dealing with racism, people with disabilities who are dealing with an ableist community. Like there are other layers that are on top of this, that it's like mental health and then X, Y, Z struggles you face in day-to-day life. So it's like one layer of, of loneliness is like validated, but the other layers are still there. I'm excited for a society one day where all of us can be like, no matter what happens, we will be okay. Like we can figure this out, but that takes a growth mindset. And then my brain immediately goes to like, what about people who are suicidal and they really don't think things will be okay. Like it's a, there's no right answer. There's nothing I can say. There's nothing to like, what do you, there is no cure all statement that anyone can make to make anyone feel heard, which is why I think like spreading empathy is so important and just connecting with as many one-on-one people as possible. Like I have, I have theories that I just shout into the wind that are ridiculous. Like, okay, this is a theory I have that I feel like this is the platform for my backgrounds in like kin, but exercise or psychology and the DSM was created in an era of like, we need to put people in buckets. It's the same thing as being like, you are a man, you're a straight man or you're a straight woman or you're bi or you're gay. And like, those were the buckets available at one point. And now it's like, okay, well, queerness is a spectrum and you're anywhere along here. And like autism is a spectrum. People are a spectrum. Everyone's different. Mental illness and mental health equally, like not even a spectrum, but like all of the symptoms and the criteria for every single mental illness are coping mechanisms for various trauma. So the number of people who've commented on my TikTok being like, yo, you have borderline personality disorder. And I'm like, I have the symptom. Well, first of all, let's try not to say that to someone on a public platform. You don't know me. And now I'm diagnosing myself, which we should avoid. <laughs> Never do that. <laughs> right? But I'm like, but I do meet all the criteria. But then I looked through the criteria and literally it's like, extreme empathy, care about other people, kind of this manic state where you're like hyper-functioning and then you're depressed. And I'm like, literally, these are just symptoms of being a human with unresolved trauma. All of Everything though, yes. like whether it's depression or OCD or ADHD or borderline or bipolar or narcissistic personality disorder, schizophrenia. Like people are like, yeah, you hear voices and you think that's a normal symptom. I'm like, yes, literally. Yes. Though, if you have experienced some traumatic shit when you were a child, plus your genetic, like genetics do play a role. That might be something you experience. And I wish people could talk openly instead of it being this label of like, I have this. Maybe that helps you as a human to understand yourself. Love that. But people who don't understand mental illness see this label as like this bad thing where you need to be medicated and something's wrong with you and you're broken, which further invalidates your feelings and makes you feel more lonely and more isolated and more unheard. And I'm like, if we can just talk about all of those symptoms and criteria as you were a child once who was born a good blank canvas of a human. You grew up and experienced some shit. And as a result, you learned to cope the only ways you knew how. And some of those coping mechanisms get labeled by other assholes as like symptoms of mental illness. Are you kidding me? Like, ugh, 
Ugh, like no, like just no, no, it's just wrong. I'm so, this is where I'm like a hard stance opinion and to anyone out there who's like, no, I have a mental illness and like that is a label I identify with, perfect, no problem. If that works for you, great. And that's what I'm trying to get across is it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what you think. It matters what you think of yourself. And if you think of your own mental illness as this like, oh, I have depression. So that's who I am. I am depression. No, you're, you're not. You don't need to think about yourself that way if it's bogging you down. If that label helps you understand yourself better, amazing. But if that label is holding you back, you don't need it. You're a person who's struggling, who's had trauma and you are loved and you are enough and you are powerful by yourself. And the fact that you don't know is not your fault you've never been taught otherwise you deserve a safe space where like you can have all your feelings heard and validated and know that nothing's wrong with you I've been shamed for self-harm like my ex this was like our breakup oh, real shit but like I've I have a history of self-harm history of eating disorders a history of a bunch of shit and my fiance when she cheated on me with my best friend and then broke up our engagement in one day on our three-year anniversary and then kicked me out of the house we just bought a month and a half after we bought it. Like mm. literally we were great. Like one day, perfect, everything's good. She went to go stay the night at our friend's house because she, she's an extrovert who didn't like the pandemic and needed some time away. I was like, cool, no problem, live your life. Came back and was like, yeah, I don't think I can do our relationship anymore. You need to leave. I'm over this, this is done. I panicked, I shut down. My brain didn't know how to handle that information and I self-harmed. She found me. And then proceeded to be like, this is why I can't be with you. You're too much. This is too intense. This is wrong. This is why you're the problem. Like you can't, you couldn't even think of me in this moment. You had to do this. You're that selfish. And I like bring this up on here and not because it's not about her, but that's how she's been taught about those things. Did it hurt? Like, did what she say hurt my feelings? Oh my God, hundred percent. Was it painful? For sure. But she doesn't know better. And that's the language that people hear about self-harm is it's like this, call for attention. Fuck yeah, it is. I feel incredibly unheard and incredibly unseen. My feelings have not been heard at all. And I'm trying to replace this emotional pain with some physical pain that's going to bring me back to reality. It's no different from over tweezing your eyebrows. It's no different from shopping too much. It's no different from drinking or drug use or isolating or overworking or over-exercising or eating too much healthy food and weighing and measuring all your shit. Like people are like, I have no self-harm tendencies. I just really love my job. I just really love working 18 hour days. I just throw myself into my work. It's the same shit guys. Like it's negative coping mechanisms. Yeah, totally. And so I'm like, the more we normalize this and talk about it openly, the more people can think differently about mental illness and struggles. People can ch start to challenge their own beliefs because we're fed information and people take it as fact instead of going, huh, is that really true though? questioning like, the stigma and yeah. the narrative that's always been told around certain situations. I'm really glad you brought up self-harm because I actually haven't had a conversation with anybody about that yet, but there is so much unknown information because when things get that quote unquote dark, if you will, people <gasps> freak the fuck out yeah. and they shut down and they're like, I don't even know how to approach this person and, and get into why this is happening. And, and society as a whole frowns upon it, shies away from it, like turns it into this monstrous, 
horrifying thing. I mean, in the movies, oh God, like, right. Yeah. So I, yeah, I couldn't agree more with every single thing that you said and it's no different. It's a cry for help. Just like all those other things that you mentioned, overeating, overworking, overexercising, they're silent cries for help. And they're cries for validation. They're cries tell me I'm good enough. Tell me that my feelings are valid. Tell me that I'm going to be okay. Tell me that you like understand. Like everyone, like humans are inherently asocial, but B, just want to feel seen. We're social beings who want to feel like we, like we belong, not that we fit in. I love that distinction. Brene Brown talks about this a lot of like fitting in is the opposite of belonging. Belonging is showing up as yourself. Fitting in is adjusting who you are to amalgamate to a community. And a sense of belonging with self-harm would look like people don't ask questions. So my tattoo artist, I just got my sleeve done and I love this. So I have some cuts on my shoulder where this was done. And when she first started, she's amazing. She's like, yeah, you have a little nick here. I'm going to use it as like the center line. And then she was asking me about my pain tolerance for tattoos. And I was just like, I have an opportunity here. And was like, yeah, my pain tolerance is high. And there was kind of this just like open void of space where she's a really open person and so am I, but we hadn't crossed that boundary of like, can we talk about this or not? And I was like, you know, I'm just gonna say it. The reality is when you've cut your own skin, your pain tolerance is just real fucking high. You can just handle some shit. So yeah, I can handle the tattoo, it's fine. And then she was like, oh my God, I wanted to like bring it up. She's like, when you tattoo people out, like you see scars on their body, I know what those are, but I didn't know if it was okay if I ask. And I was like, I wish more people would get comfortable asking. Because again, I come back to like racism and disability and like the LGBTQ community, for instance. People don't ask questions. People don't seek understanding. They they make assumptions in their brain and then don't inquire. I pers- And like, there's nothing wrong with going, hey, do you mind if I ask about the cuts on your arm? That That's an open door. Con- that's like- That's the perfect I- way to do it. And I ask about that. Because then people can go, no, or yes. And if they say no, okay, we're good. But if they go, yeah, can you go? You can then go, do you mind if I ask you why you did that? Can I like, are you open to having that conversation with me? Because then we can talk about, yeah, I was going through a lot of emotional pain and this was my way of handling those emotions. I'm not suicidal. I'm not going to kill myself, but this allowed me to cope. And then people can like go, oh, wow, that's really different from how I thought it was. Like questions, just communicate just vulnerability it comes back to that yes, right it does and, and my whole shtick is like empathy and vulnerability like holding space and being open hold space be open hold space be open and now before you know it you feel heard I think opening the lines of communication and and sharing stories like this because then it allows people to uh, educate themselves on how to approach in a a good manner, polite way, you know, a respectful way. And I can also relate to the self-harm thing. And I've never talked about this at all anywhere, but I've, I pick my hand, like my skin on my hand. And I've done it since I was like 16 years old, I think. And I think I've learned now that it's not a cry for help per se but whenever I notice myself doing it I now can recognize that it's I'm very anxious about something I'm stressed out about something I'm avoiding something yeah um you know and and I'm in control of this situation and it's also a bit of OCD 
in the sense of like certain things relating to that. But it's, you know, it's right here on my hand and, and, you know, my hand's scarred from it. And I've been shamed for it before because people don't ask questions. They just say, stop doing that. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. They're not like, okay, what's going on? Why are you doing this? What's wrong? They're like, stop doing it. I've been yelled at by partners before, shamed. Like even my parents, they don't, I mean, I think they understand now, but before they were like, you have to stop doing that. Like put some Vaseline on your hands and let them, you know, let them be. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> like I'm never going to stop doing this because the issues aren't getting resolved internally. So, but it's just a matter of letting the external factors and the people within your life understand like this is a symbol of something deeper yes this isn't just me doing like why the fuck would I want to just pick my hand and why would you just want to fucking cut yourself like it's not something that we enjoy doing no yeah there's deeper rooted issues to it and people need to be more inquisitive and come from a caring place instead of being so afraid and like uncomfortable it's like well if you care about me just fucking ask what's going on and some people might not even be able to explain why but then there's other ways to navigate that too I think it just comes down to basic understanding you know totally thank you so much for sharing that by the way I really appreciate it yeah because that's like it's there are also some people self-harm in ways that don't like look like it's not that bad you know what I mean I used to pick I have acne scarring on my jaw. I had like cystic acne that was from stress and then I would claw at it. Like I would like dig at my face and same thing. Everyone was like, stop picking, stop picking. You'll scar, you'll scar. And I didn't even know why I was doing it. Like I didn't have the answers. So it was outside my control, but I was, I was seeking someone to be like, Hey, let's like, why, why is that happening? Like, cause then when someone asked me, someone did eventually, I was like, I'm stressed. And that's all that came out of my face was just like, all I know is I've got some stress going on, but I don't know what it is. And so there's this, it's like this mutual responsibility of like self-awareness of why you're doing what you're doing. Other people being fearless and taking that brave step of action. Cause like the outsider, whoever the outsider is, has to like be willing to extend that olive branch and be vulnerable and ask why. And the person in the situation has to be vulnerable and brave enough to not get defensive and hold the space to have the conversation. And so even if you're hurt, this is the other part of it that's so hard is like, no matter how hurt you are, your feelings are still like, your feelings are still your responsibility. The trauma that you experienced is not your fault. And it's awful that that happened to you, but resolving the feelings are still yours. Your trauma is not your responsibility, but your behavior is. And so that's equally this like a conversation for like another, we could dive down that rabbit hole, but it's hard because people have experienced so much hurt. And then they're like, I've experienced so much hurt that I'm not being vulnerable anymore. And I'm like, okay, well, that's still your problem. Like, I hate saying it, but like, I always think of it, of things as a growth mindset, a growth mindset. So, so, so important. Like I have one of my tattoos is get comfortable with uncomfortable. I love that statement. It's one of my favorites <laughs> ever. Yeah. And it's like, I see it all the time. I love like the placement and I, and it reminds me of, oh, in those moments where I want, I want to be defensive. I want to put up my walls. I I want to shut people down because things are hard and uncomfortable. And this involves growth and this involves change to go, "Mm, 
I will only become comfortable once again. I will only become happy and healthy and, and safe and feel hurt again if I'm willing to get uncomfortable. Mm. And no matter what, no matter how much shit has gone down, like relentlessly willing to grow. A lot of people aren't. And this is kind of how we started this conversation was some people with our parents, like some people are willing to make those changes and some people aren't. And how do we find all the people that I think everyone inherently wants to be better. They want more. People want more for their lives, but people think they want more money. They want more wealth. They want more success. They want more things. If I have more things, I'm going to be happy as opposed to it's actually, if you can get happy in here and focus on growing in here, the other things just come because you're projecting that into the world. Like it comes from in here. It doesn't come from outside the body. Oh, like it's, so good. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up your tattoo. Cause I, it's so crazy that you have that. Cause I recently have kind of become aware of that phrase and it, oh my God, it speaks to me on such a like deep level. And I think people, if anything, like they need to learn that phrase and repeatedly tell themselves in order to get comfortable, you have to get uncomfortable. And it rings true with your mental health. It rings true with learning about racism and other ethnicities and different cultures. I mean, it goes with anything literally every part of your life you want to learn about taxes and being financially secure you got to learn you got to say you don't know you got to be willing to step up and say i don't know and seek the answers yeah. you want to like people like a part of my fitness life and this is what i try to express in class is like it's not about going to the gym it's not about how your body looks it's not about what your workout is it's about like fitness becomes easy once you get in touch with yourself and you're willing to get uncomfortable because then you actually enjoy moving your body as opposed to using movement as this punishment for not eating the right things you felt lazy like everything comes back to what's going on inside of you everything yep it all starts with you And the only way to grow and evolve and change and become a healthier version of yourself is by getting uncomfortable. That's the way you heal, period. Yeah, a point blank. I love that. Oh, uh, like I, this behind me on my wall, which I hope you won't see, is I did this. It's the the man in the arena quote. Mm. Uh, Are you familiar with the quote or no? Mm -mm. Uh, To anyone who isn't. So this is a... um, Oh my God, a, why am I struggling? A Teddy Roosevelt quote. It's called, it's originally called the man in the arena. And I rewrote it in gender neutral pronouns because I like it to apply to everyone. <laughs> and I feel like this is just, I'm going to read it right off here. Right? I know it's it. hard, but I don't want to fuck it up. So the human in the arena, it's not the critic who counts, not the one who points out how the strong stumbled or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to who is in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who falls short again and again, because there is no effort without error, but who actually does strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great great devotions, who spends themselves in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if fails, at least does so daring greatly. And it's like Brene Brown, this is where Darren Greatly comes from, but I've got this behind me and I see it, I read it every day because like that getting comfortable and uncomfortable comes with Darren Greatly, come, it comes with putting yourself in the arena, comes with fighting the fight, comes with asking the questions, comes with extending the olive branch, comes with like the territory of not being a spectator in your life or with others, but going, fuck it, I'm going to get on the floor. 
I'm going to say the hard thing. I'm going to ask the questions. I'm going to show up as I am, no matter what, even on the days that it's fucking hard, because that's where all the good shit happens. I'm a, I'm a little speechless because that mic drop. <laughs> yeah, mic drop. And I again, I just I couldn't agree more. I resonate with everything, and I've learned myself that for most of my life, because and certain people within my life, they prefer to stay in their comfort zone and just conform to their environment. And I did that for so long because that's what I thought I was supposed to do. And once I got into my own arena, after going through a breakup three years ago, I finally had the space to do it. It's like, oh my God, I'm not answering to anyone. I can make my own decisions that I actually want to make for myself. I get to learn more about myself and figure out who I am, who I really am. Never had the opportunity to do that or allowed myself to do that. And so I love that. It's like you're in your own arena finally. And it's not the most fun place to be because it's a lot of hard work as anyone in a legit arena could attest to. I mean, (laughs) they're fighting battles and they're, you know, and that's what you're doing. But the outcome of doing that and the ability to heal throughout that process is unmatched. Yes. Oh, I'm yeah. really glad that you that you oh, read that. Thank you. thank you. It like almost full circle comes back to like we talked about movies right from the get go. Everyone wants to be the main character. We watch movies and we're like, we we identify with them. We go, oh, I want to be that person. I want to like put on the sunglasses and walk out of the fire into like the camera and the spotlight. And like we all have the power to be that person like we are the main character of our stories but we're only actually going to be the main character if we step into our own arena the main character is in the arena the main character is not a spectator ever and we all have our own individual arenas it's not someone else's game we're playing like we have the power to show up every day but you've got to have the courage to just make a step make a move take whatever it is and Mm. everyone everyone's got that power every single person like how cool is that like I want everyone to know that that's like your whatever your story is like it's awesome you have the power you can do whatever the fuck you want to do you can be whoever you want to be and it's never too late either it's not I'm too old it's never anything like life is so damn long so what are you gonna do right now that's like pushing the needle Mm. Mm. I'm so fired up about this conversation like this was so great yeah, oh my God, I mean, we could literally talk on and on because there's just so many things, but I think everything we've covered today will heavily resonate with whoever listens to this and hopefully give them some encouragement and insight and perspective and motivation to be their own leader in their own arena, take charge of their life and their decisions, and also to come to the conclusion and accept that nobody's perfect. And I, again, I'm not going to use the term, you are not alone. I like the term, like, you are not the only one. Yes. You are not the only one experiencing the things that you are. We're human beings. We all experience an array of things. You are not the only one in this world who has experienced the things you are. And I think that in itself is comforting. And I think the you are not alone aspect, it's, it just should encourage you to find a community. And I think a good start would be your community 
checking out your TikTok and your social media and joining your program and getting involved and meeting other people that have tons of things in common uh, emotionally, which is really important. So yeah, I just want to say the biggest thank you to coming on and sharing your words of wisdom. You're such a great speaker. You have so much to offer. Thank you so much. Emily, thank you so much for having me on. Like, honestly, this has been unreal. And like, I would love to be back on here. As you said, I feel like we could chat forever. So I have 50,000 thoughts that like, this just means the world to me. Thank you so much for having me on. This is amazing. Awesome. So before we log off, um, where can the listeners find you on social media to possibly join your community, see what you're all about, all that good stuff? Oh, amazing. I am ABH movement, like across the board. So ABH movement on TikTok is my main mental health platform. ABH movement is my company. So if you Google ABH movement, you'll find more about everything that I offer. So I do virtual fitness classes, which are crazy. I have my course beneath the armor. I offer on-demand workouts too, which are cost-effective for anyone who wants to start with mindful movement. I have a Facebook group, it's ABH movement and Instagram as well. That's it. That's the one. Perfect. Ah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was so great to have you. And thank you again to the listeners for tuning in to another episode of the Wondering Mind podcast. Till next time, maintain your brain and keep on wondering. Thank you for listening to the Wondering Mind podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you wouldn't mind just taking a few moments and leaving us a review, letting us know what you think of the podcast. Also, feel free to follow us on Instagram at the Wondering Mind Podcast and on Twitter at TWM Podcast. <laughs>